there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back. It's the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast, and it's the winter meeting edition. It's me, Tom Verducci, Joe Madden. Uh, and Joe, we once again, we never run out of things to talk about when it comes to one of your former players, Shohei Otani. The talk of the winter meetings, where will he sign? And there has been a lot of buzz recently about the Toronto Blue Jays. On the face of it, Joe, it sounds like, well, where'd that come from? But the more you think about it, the more that it makes sense that Shohei Otani might actually wind up signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. So give me your first reactions when you heard about this, Joe, the possible connection of Shohei and the Jays. Yeah, like you're saying, it's it's likely, it's not impossible. First of all, it's an international city. I, I think that might appeal to him a lot. I think there's a, a different vibe when you're in Canada, obviously, to the United States. And I'm certain, and I know there's a, a really strong um, kind of uh, Asian rim population there that he could really identify with right down to the, the fare, the food. Um, so that doesn't uh, surprise. The other part would be that ballpark. Dang, he could put up some numbers in that ballpark offensively. That is a hitter's paradise. It's dome. The weather's always going to be good. Um, when it comes down to the travel situation, you know, dealing with um, uh, going in and out of the country, uh, going through all that uh, stuff, he's used to it. He's used to going through customs and things like that. So I don't know that that really is bothersome to him. Uh, you know, the tax uh, situation, I don't even know what that looks like for him coming from Japan, but nevertheless, this is another country for him to conquer, <laughs> you know, really uh, this fan base there. And the fact that uh, all these Canadians would fall in love with him instantaneously. And like I said, I really think he will morph in easily to the culture there. Finally, the team itself uh, haven't, hasn't won yet. There's a lot there for him to like. Uh, so it's not surprising, like I said, right down to the ballpark. Not the best place in the world to pitch, but he misses bats. That's different. But to hit the ball there, it just doesn't come down. Yeah, I, I I want to do a deep, deep dive on this because um, you mentioned the fact that it's an international city. Uh, there's no question about it. It's actually a very big market there. Back in the heyday when the Blue Jays were winning back-to-back World Series, they were pumping in 49,000 people a night in what was called the Sky Dome back then. Uh, fan base there, it's, it's there. I, I think there's an upside. What they've done here, Joe, is they built a $100 million training complex in Florida. 
and they are in the process of a $300 million renovation to the Rogers Center. You saw some of that last year. They're working on things this winter to turn it more into a ballpark rather than a multi-purpose sports facility. Now, you know that Angel's facility that Shohei has been using in spring training is, is one of the most outdated in baseball, right? And you know, also know that Shohei is very tech-oriented. He wants cutting edge. I could see him being blown away by the facility in Dunedin, Florida, that the Blue Jays have and what they have planned for Rogers Center in Toronto. Those things matter. You're also talking about a team that is owned by a giant, I mean, giant media and telecommunications company. Uh, they essentially are, they are baseball's team in Canada. They own the country, essentially, right? There's, you see when the Blue Jays play in Vancouver, <laughs> Blue Jays fans are turning out, coming across the border to watch that team. He would be the face of the country when it comes to baseball. And I think if you're talking about the Dodgers, yeah, I love the fact that slide in between Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. I want to see that that team play 162 games, a chance to win every year, the money, everything's there for Shohei. But again, we're talking about a guy, and Joe, you know this better than anybody. He wants to carve his own path. I think if he goes to the Dodgers, right, and I still think there's a chance he goes to the Dodgers, because everything they can offer him is is what he likes. Southern California, nice weather, chance to win every year. I get it. But he's just another car on the train, if you will. Whereas if he goes to the Blue Jays, who haven't won a championship here in two decades, he's the face of the franchise. He is the franchise. And it wouldn't surprise me if Rogers Communications can find a way to get him more money by actually having him on their payroll as a corporate entity. Who would you – I mean – you mentioned this, Joe. He is an international superstar. If you're Rogers, don't you want Shohei representing your telecommunications business, selling phones, cable, internet, whatever it is? I, I think there's a lot of reasons here corporately and from a baseball perspective why the Jays make sense for Shohei. It's almost like uh, he'll immediately cause the Raptors to become moot, uh, the, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, all the different – I mean, actually – this would be an opportunity for baseball to actually supplant almost hockey as being somewhat of the national pastime there just by his presence alone. I mean, what it'll do to just the selling of the game itself, uh, kids wanting to become baseball players all of a sudden. I'm really curious about that. I think his influence would be that far reaching. Um, he's not afraid of that stuff. He handles it extremely well. His ability to kind of uh, remain in his own cocoon while he's making all this impact it's incredible. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen him flustered. Um, I can't say I've never seen him at a loss for words because he doesn't necessarily communicate in English, although I believe he understands. But he's, he's uh, kind of like he's seamless in everything that he does. So all of these considerations, like you're saying, from the Rogers perspective, I don't even know, like, you know, they, they pr probably think they could easily write the biggest check because, like you're saying, the return is going to be greater than possibly anywhere else just based on this entire country buying into the Toronto Blue Jays. Talk about America's team, it's Canada's team overnight. So all these things have to have been discussed right now. I didn't realize the <clears throat> the extent. I might even take a ride out to see it now. You mentioned the Blue Jays um, facility. I did not know that. I knew they did something new, not that that crazy. And I knew Rogers Center, I mean, the old Skydome was like one of the worst, I thought, the, right down to the AstroTurf, horrible. So if they're trying to make that more into a ballpark as opposed to this this sphere in the middle of the city, it's kind of cool when the roof's open with the tower right there, CNN Tower, these, was it CN Tower right there? That is a great look. It's two different ballparks completely. All these things, all these things he will consider. You're, you're right with your evaluation and your breakdown, I think, is on the money. And I think from Roger's perspective, the, you know, the, whatever the corporation ownership's called there, they know their money is going to be made like, way beyond what they put out for him. Yeah, by the way, they also have a huge chunk of the Maple Leafs and a lot of other sports entities there in Canada, especially in the Toronto area where they're based. Uh, they also own Sportsnet, yeah. <laughs> the, the company that puts this team on the air. So again, the investment in Shoei, if it's going to cost you $550 million, I mean, I, I, listen, I don't know their corporate books, but you could see the return on investment, even at that number, is pretty darn good because they're, this is the unicorn because he pitches and hits, but he's also the unicorn because he's, a, I think, the most valuable business asset in the game of baseball today. 
And I think it, it, it's almost even more valuable for a team that owns the country, in this case, the Blue Jays in Canada. Let's talk about, Joe, the baseball side of this. Mm-hmm. If you put Shohei in that lineup, put him in between Bichette and Guerrero, it's a team that has been disappointing the last couple of years. They've gotten the postseason, haven't made any run in the postseason. Um, you know, been a 90-win team, nothing to, to really excuse yourself about, but there's more on the table. Put him in that lineup. Where are they in the American League East? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, okay, having said all that, and I like that, and I, and I, of course, I like uh, Bichette a lot, I like Bo, who's daddy will, and of course, Joey then, uh, Vladdy. I mean, these are the, the sons of guys that I've actually worked with. I, I, I like them a lot. Um, I, I just, I want to see them be really good for a period of time, quite frankly. I mean, I, you know, Bo will swing. And sometimes when you just swing, swing, uh, you're going to get lucky, sometimes not so lucky. And then Vladdy last year, the, the power numbers weren't necessarily the same with any kind of consistency. So uh, it, it, it sounds good, but I'd have to see that in action. I think that Shohei will raise their games just by being there. They're, they're going to elevate them, what they're doing mentally. I think maybe in the beginning there might be like a, almost a feeling of a little bit of a pressure kind of a situation to be better than they are, and that might relax into something that is going to look like what's supposed to look like over a period of time. But I think it has to be more than just the three of them. Uh, I, I absolutely do. Um, I know they have some really good pitching, and I like their pitching overall. And Of course, Show's not going to pitch for at least one year. So I, I don't think there's a lock on anything, quite frankly. I don't, uh, based on the people around him. I think uh, if you talk about him in the Dodger lineup, then it becomes really uh, dynamic to the point that you can hardly describe it. Him in that lineup in the uh, American League East, mm, absolutely outstanding. But I can't say that it has that kind of uh, sign-sealed and delivered feeling that it has if he had signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, listen, I, I'm with you. I like the pitching of Toronto. I do think they need some more help offensively. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Matt Chapman is a free agent. He actually didn't have a great year last year. He had a great first month of the season. But mm-hmm. uh, they'll need more than Shohei in that offense. Right. But, I mean, Shohei, Joe, I mean, his his offensive game just keeps getting better and better. I actually think he's the most impactful hitter in the game today. And It's no slight on Aaron Judge or Ronald Acuna Jr. They're great, too, but. It's just something about Shohei. He's got no holes. That the power. He had 44 home runs and essentially missed a month last year. Um, so yeah, the impact is going to be if he winds up in that lineup, huge. There's no question about it. Um, it doesn't make them uh, probably the favorites over Baltimore at this point, but it puts them darn close. And you know that's, you know, when you add a player like that to a team, Joe, what it does to everybody in the organization that they're stepping up to making the biggest move you could possibly make in baseball. Of all time, it's going to be the biggest contract of all time. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a halo effect there. You're right. I, I just don't think it's a lock necessarily that they're going to win everything because of that. I definitely makes them interesting. They're going to be on TV constantly in, in every country that watches baseball. Uh, I love all that about it. I think for the game itself, it could be fascinatingly like huge regarding the impact he could have. If you're really trying to, again, you're looking for that next audience, uh, not only the youth, but also the audience itself, the expanding it to international audiences. He's the one guy that has that opportunity uh, more than anybody else. Uh, nobody on Baltimore does. Nobody on the Yankees does. And regardless of, you know, Aaron Judge and his appeal, this guy does. This guy is Elvis. He is the Beatles. And you're talking about it before. He's Michael Jordan of, of baseball. He's that impactful on a game and, a, and an industry. So, He's all of that. And that's why I think when it comes to this number, everybody's like concerned, well, it's going to get over 600. Of course, it's going to get over 600 million. You have to pay him like two players. He is two players. And not only that, what he does financially to your group, the exponential, the complimentary comp, uh, effect of what he does economically is you're going to have to wait and find out exactly what it is because it's going to be that severe. Yeah. So that's why Toronto's a possibility. Yeah, my last thought on Shohei, and you ran this, you ran into this with Shohei. I mean, he he marches to the beat of his own drummer. We know that. I go back to when he was coming out of high school into the draft, and MLB teams, especially the Dodgers, were looking to sign him. And it was the manager of his team in Japan who drafted him. Uh, I think his name is Hideki Moriyama, who told him basically, create a path that nobody has walked down before. And by that he meant. We'll give you the opportunity to be both a pitcher and a hitter. And that really put the light on in Shohei's head. He had not considered that. 
he thought maybe if the Dodgers or the Rangers or the Cubs at that time signed him, he would become either a pitcher or a hitter because the idea of a two-way player in Major League Baseball was not out there at all. It wasn't on anybody's radar. And it was his manager who said, walk down a path nobody has walked down before. And he loved that idea. And that has driven him to this day. So for us to sit here and try to divine what his intentions are or what he wants or trying to get the last dollar from somebody, there's something appealing in whatever team he signs with that we're all probably missing, right? Yeah. I, I think I can see something with Toronto, again, where it's a unique path for Shohei. He's not becoming a, you know, just another superstar on the Dodgers who won a World Series just three years ago. The Blue Jays haven't won in a generation. You know, I, I think there's got to be some appeal there. I think the technology, the ballpark, the training facility, that can matter. And again, I'm not predicting he's signing with the Jays, but Joe, I think they've got a real shot. And I'm not sure I would have thought that a month ago. Yeah, again, can't can't argue with any of that. Um, going back to when you, the original concept with that last statement was that um, people didn't believe. I swear, I mean, I I was in on the meetings. I I sat on meetings with the Cubs at that particular time, and and just other baseball people that I really respect a lot, a lot, and a lot of them were pitching coaches and. Pretty much they didn't believe he can do that. They didn't believe he can do that and that he was going to have to choose and et cetera. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Like this is something I wanted to try to do with the young man back in the day with the Angels in the, the late 80s or early 1990s because I always thought it was a fascinating subject that you, if you have a, such a great athlete, to give him this opportunity to do it. And part of my rationale was if he washes out at one or the other, that he could be one or the other. Also, and still, you still have yourself a great athlete or a great uh, Major League Baseball player. Um, yes, he, that's part of when I was with him with the Angels from the beginning in 2020. I was trying to get that done. I was trying to get him to be able to to do both with him. And there was a lot of reticence with it because there was a lot of actual, um, how shall I say, um, uh, guidance coming from other than baseball people. Guidance was coming from uh medicine and uh training staffs and sports technology stuff that really didn't want him to do it they did not want him to do it at that time they thought it would be adverse uh and and that he would not be able to deal or handle with it There was a lot too much i thought there was too much scrutiny involved in regards to it just not enough to play baseball so i'm glad we've arrived at this point with him and for him Uh, i've not met his manager but i've heard about him the fellow in japan sounds like we're on the same page with that because he is obviously capable of doing all this stuff. And you're right. Um, there's a, there's a wrinkle out there somewhere that we're not aware of that show he's evaluating and it can come down to this. Um, I last point, I, I still think that for him to go to an East coast team, Midwest or an Eastern team, there's gotta be a roof on the building. I think, I don't know that he's going to really want to, I don't think he's going to want to play in cold weather. Great point. Uh, you know, that's going to impact him physically as a hitter. And then, of course, on the mound when he comes back to it. So I think if you go east of the Mississippi, that's my more, one of my more recent thoughts. The location is probably going to have to have a roof on it. That's a great point. I agree with that 100%. Of course, that's another uh, item in the favor of the Toronto Blue Jays, that you're playing in a climate-controlled facility. There's no doubt about that. The, the rain, cold weather, the humidity in August. Uh, this is a guy who's very particular about the way he treats his body and, and works it hard being a two-way player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think teams realized early on in this process, I'm talking about Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, he was not playing there. So that's a great point. And by the way, I, you deserve a lot of credit, Joe. I know you're not going to step up and take it, but by taking the governors off Shohei back then in 2020 and letting him be the, you know, the full version of himself, really got him to this point. I mean, he probably gets here anyway, but who knows? We just know as baseball fans watching Shohei play the game of baseball without governors on him, artificial governors in some cases, has brought out the best in him. There's no question about that. And, and you and like Koryama, his, his manager in Japan, uh, deserve a lot of credit for letting this guy flourish. You know, it's, uh, it's thank you, but it's, it's really obvious, as you know, and I know it comes down to the athlete himself. He just needed opportunity. I've always felt, like I said, I've always thought it was a fascinating concept. Um, I never thought it could be done at this level. I, like when I was talking about uh, Deshaun Warren from back in the day in the minor leagues, um, really fast, man, real fast through 95. And he was a long ways away. But I found that, like I said, my biggest concern there was if the guy washes out on one side, he might be able to be uh, uh, valuable on another side with the, on the major league level. But Shohei was different. 
Um, and actually, quite frankly, and we've talked about this too, I, when I saw him first pitch, he didn't throw the ball well. And I actually I didn't see him hit the ball well. He was off uh, timing and he was coming off Tommy John and all this stuff. And I, man, it was it was hard to understand. But then um, it, it just, there was different, especially when I saw him in spring training in 2021, totally different, totally different cat. And um, then you could see it all coming together at that point. You could, you know what everybody had said. But for me, the overarching point of all of this was when the guy signed, when he came here to sign, he came to play two things. He came to do two things, pitch and and be a hitter. And to to not permit that to at least uh, play it all the way through would have been absolutely disingenuous. And, and man, I don't even know how you could uh, live with yourself after you signed a kid under those circumstances and then not permit him the opportunity to, to be that guy. That was really – that thought really stood out to me also. And all of a sudden I become the steward of, his, of, of, of him and in his career, in a sense, in that period of time. So there was only one way to do that. Let him let him fail. Give him an opportunity to fail. But obviously he did not. And let him stay on his own program. And that's going to happen no matter right. what team right. he signs with. It's not People are not going to put him in a box because there's no one like him. He'll be on his own schedule. When he does come back pitching in 2025, he will pitch every sixth or seventh day. You'll have to work around that. You'll have to work around him having his own program in spring training to get himself ready. But you don't. You never worry about this guy. I mean, he's so particular, so detail oriented about getting himself physically ready to play this game of baseball. Eats, sleeps, breathes the game. So when you say on his own program, that's typically been a euphemism for a guy who's like not a team player. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's it's just the the detail, the work that goes into being Shohei Otani is something only he knows how to get done. You know, I had to answer those questions too. I had to answer those questions. Exactly yeah, sure. Talking about, it. and I was like, really. You're worried about him, uh, you know, being the, the the kicker or the punter going off to the side and working on his stuff while everybody else is doing something else. You're really worried about that? Have you really talked to this guy? Have you watched this guy? You're absolutely right. I mean, he needs that freedom. He needs that. He needs to, to be able to do what he needs to do on that day because you know what? Um, again, slightly since Babe Ruth, nobody else has done what he's not. So to try to coach that or come up with a program that you think is right for this Wow, I am not pretentious enough to think that I know that. Absolutely not. Uh, this is where the athlete needs to be listened to. And obviously it paid off for him. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, Joe, when we come back. I want to get your thoughts on the newest Hall of Famer, Jim Leland. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The Contemporary Era Baseball Committee voted in Jim Leland into the Hall of Fame on Sunday night. And, um, Joe, I know we can look at his numbers, the wins, the games, the the World Series he won with Florida, three pennants. Uh, But he's a rare guy for me. When I watched him, the course of managing, I thought he was a Hall of Famer. You know, sometimes that happens with a player. You see a guy early in his career. I'm looking at Ronald Acuna right now and saying, this guy looks like a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's kind of a no-brainer. But I felt that way with guys like Whitey Herzog, Tony La Russa, of course. And I thought the same way with Jim Leland. And maybe his numbers don't exactly blow you away, uh, just that one world championship. But uh, I think this is deserving for a guy like you who did not play in the major leagues, you know, worked his butt off in the minor leagues, get an opportunity. Um, and, and I thought was always one of the best I saw, at, as he would tell me, <laughs> tell you himself, putting players in the best position to win. He won with all kinds of different teams. He won without closers. He won without great starting pitching. Um, hey, I'm happy for Jim Leland. Uh, Lou Pinella, by the way, missed by just one vote for a second mm. time. That's just agonizing. Uh, but for right now, we're going to talk about Jim Leland. What stands out for you, Joe, when you think about going up against Jim Leland and appreciating his career? Well, um, I did text him and uh, I haven't heard back, but I texted his son because I knew he'd be busy, but uh, what stands out to me, um, and this is the roar that comes immediately, it's charisma. I, you know, beyond everything else that he is and represents, which is the absolutely the right way to to have done that. Uh, how he was, where he began, how he worked his way up, the different jobs that he had had, uh, the different outposts he had worked at, the the successes, and quite a few failures with the Pirates in regards to losing season, like heavily losing seasons, and not quitting, not giving up, and still believing in what he was doing. That takes a lot because your your ego really gets not just takes a hit, but it gets smashed when you lose 100 games in a season. I've done it once with the Rays, Devil Rays, and almost the second time. And believe me, man, when you go to the ballpark every day, you got to fight internally to uh, maintain or sustain the fact that what I'm doing is right. I, I know what I believe in is correct and good. It's going to eventually work out. It's eventually going to play out. And, and of course, it did for him. Um, right down to that famous uh, confrontation he had with uh, Barry Bonds. I love that. That's it. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame moment for me. We're in front of all of his other guys, the other players there. Uh, he set it up right there. This is uh, – we don't, we don't act that way around here. That's pretty much what he was saying, and I'm not going to put up with it. And at that point, he wins over – anybody else in that organization. So if there's a hundred players, a hundred people in 99 and then bonds was 100, the other 99 are absolutely on board with everything he was going to say and do from that moment on. I know I'm with you a hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up. If I remember correctly too, the, the genesis of that, that blowout uh, had something to do with bonds disrespecting the coaching staff. Maybe it was some early work or something. And you know, you know, Jim, he's, he's going to back his coaches all the way. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Yeah, he's one of the first guys, Joe. I remember. He, I remember him walking in the outfield during batting practice, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. would do that just to check in with players. You know, Jim was like Bobby Cox. He put on his spikes, yeah. and uh, during BP, he'd walk the outfield and check in. You know, what's going on today? How do you feel? And it was just a way, like, and you've done this so well of making sure that you begin with trust and communication, and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens not by just posting the lineup, but by talking to guys about things, not even about baseball. And I right. thought Jim Leland was really good about engendering that trust from players. I'll tell you, I like you, all that you're saying right there. Um, you go sit in the other dugout when he's in the other dugout. All right. You be the manager in this dugout and he's over in that dugout. The first time that happened to me, gosh, I think it was in Detroit. And God bless it. I mean, swear to God. I mean, it was a source of consternation for me that, um, you know, Chad, Jimmy's in that other dugout. Damn. I mean, I, I know he's on top of things. And you're, you almost outmanage yourself just trying to keep up what you think he's thinking, you know, which is crazy, but it works to his advantage. You'd be considering talk about um, what he knew and how he ran a game or how he developed a lineup or what he said and his strategical, whatever. You could talk about that all you want. But again, presence. The man had presence. He has presence. That is overlooked. That is not even considered anymore. Uh, I don't even know that it's important anymore, uh, but he did. I think he primarily, besides his record is one thing. The years that he did it is another thing. But good for the game to recognize his presence and his kind of character and his charisma in regards to the role that he was in. That is Casey Stengel. You mentioned Whitey. Whitey to me is like, so wonderful and dear to my heart. Um, I've often talked about Gene Mock, and you talked about Tony. Uh, and I, Lou's next. Lou's definitely going to be next after this. I absolutely believe that. But there's a part of that that doesn't that create a lot of interest in the game itself? The fact that um, these guys could be identified with, even to the point where you don't like them at all. And that really matters too. Uh, you have to be really good to not be liked. And And he has... All these guys have all those different qualities that I don't think are discussed enough. We don't really get into intangibles. I mean, intangibles almost have become an archaic word because you can't eva- evaluate intangibles. Jimmy's just dripping with those things. And furthermore, him and Zim were tight. And that's how I got to know Jimmy was because of Don Zimmer. They were such great buddies uh, that, that Zim made sure uh, that I got to know Jim. And it was beautiful. Uh, Jimmy would come up to me. He'd call me Skip. Hey, Skip. He'd say that to me behind the uh, batting cage. And I would look forward to those conversations. And he's a great joke teller on top of that. He's, he's, he's what a manager should look like and be like. Okay, so, out of, I mean, I know Whitey. That's what a manager should be like and look like. I know Jimmy. I know Lou. These are the guys that's what you're looking for in the manager, all of those qualities. And yeah, uh, they'd all like to have one more World Series, but uh, these are the kind of people you're looking for to run your team. Uh, I love that word that you use, Joe, presence, yeah. <laughs> because Whitey did come to my mind. You know, I'm covering the Mets in the 80s, and I'm telling you, those Mets players were aware of the dugout in St. Louis, the manager in the dugout. That doesn't happen often. It's rare mm-hmm. where it's almost like an impact player. You're right. aware of Whitey Herzog running the game. And I think Jim Leland had the same kind of effect. I'll tell you, my favorite Jim Leland story uh, is from 2010, the night when uh, Armando Galarraga had that perfect game taken away by the call, but Jim Joyce at first base. And it was uh, Galarraga gets the next batter, completes the one hitter. And as Joyce is walking off the field, Jim Leland, who's as crusty and competitive as anybody you're going to find, is yelling at him, telling him, you blew it. Go in and look at it. You blew it. The kid had a perfect game. And Jim Joyce, you know, this is what happens when you're an umpire. You're kind of used to that. But he goes in there. He had the clubhouse attendant in the umpire's room cue up that play. He only watched it once. That's all he needed to see, to see that he blew the call. He felt terrible. Jim Joyce invited the reporters into the umpire's dressing room, and he basically stood up there near tears and admitted he blew the biggest call of his life, and he felt terrible about it. Well, word got back to Jim Leland in the manager's office on the Tigers' side at Comerica Park. As soon as he heard that, he got up from his seat. He walked out of the hallway, didn't even knock on the door of the umpire's room, flung the door open, and he said to Jim Joyce, you and me, kid, are going to have a beer. And I'm sorry that it happened, but we are going to move on from this. That swing of events, if you will, arguing with the umpire because he wanted the call to go his way, and then having the heart to realize what Jim Joyce, who's a great guy, was going through, and just dealing with knowing that he blew the call. And immediately, 
cracking open a beer to sit down with this guy and say, let's move on. Um, that's Jim Leland to me. I mean, that's that, that's managing people, not just ball games. Listen, uh, for, second of all, I'm a huge Jimmy Joyce fan. I've actually texted with him recently. Um, he's one of my all-time favorite umpires. And that entire story um, encapsulates and um, typifies, signifies why you love Jim Joyce. I thought about that particular play. That was prior to, obviously, instant replay. Um, I really thought, symbolically, when replay came into play, that that call should have been the first call reviewed by instant replay and reversed. I don't see why it could not have been. I thought it was the perfect one. I, I said it publicly, but, of course, who's going to listen about something like that at that time? But it would have been the perfect moment, the perfect way to show you this is exactly what we can fix uh, under these circumstances. I don't think anybody would have argued with that. I don't, I don't think I'm not going to go back to Denkinger's play. I'm not, of course not, but that one was so fresh. I thought that would have been great. And Galarraga would have gotten this perfect game. And I, I don't think you would have had one dissenter, not one. If you had some, and I'm not necessarily the symbolic dude. I'm not in the symbolism all the time by any means, but I've often thought that that would have been perfect. It definitely would have permitted Jimmy to sleep better. And, um, and I don't uh, uh, dispute one, one second why or, or how Jimmy uh, dealt with that. I'd like to believe I'd have done the same thing. And final point, who did Ken Griffey Jr. pick out for his uh, commercial to be the umpire? Uh, but Jimmy Joyce with uh, Kenny and his wife. It's, and Jimmy does a great job with that. So all that stuff to me, that's who Jim Joyce is. Anybody listening today, I promise you, you want to have that beer with Jim Joyce, and you also want to sit there and have that beer with Jim Leland. It's a perfect marriage right there. Yeah, listen, it's a great idea, Joe, to go back and give him the perfect game, but I actually think he's our generation's Harvey Haddix. That Galarraga is more famous for not having the perfect game than for having it, but I still like the symbolism that, that you're suggesting there. Um, by the way, uh, Jim Joyce from Toledo, Ohio, and Jimmy Leland, of course, from Perrysville, yeah. not far down the road, both uh, from real blue class working families and wow. both earn their way, earn their stripes in baseball the hard way coming up through the minor leagues. Yes. Uh, by the way, Jim Leland now, it, it kind of completes this, Joe. It's uh, I, I know Bruce Bochy, Terry Francona, Dusty Baker, not yet eligible for the Hall of Fame. I think someday we'll see those in. You mentioned Lou Pinella as well. And, and hopefully there's a day where he gets that last vote and get him in as well. But now every manager but two who's had 1,300 wins and two World Series appearances is in the Hall of Fame. One is Ralph Houck, uh, who actually had three and won the mm -hmm. World Series twice. And the other is you, Joe Madden. Really? So maybe someday there's a, there's a place for you. 1,300 wins, two World Series appearances. Everybody's in except Ralph Houck. And Joe Madden. Wow. The major, right? The major? The major. That's right. I loved Ralph Houck. I mean, I loved everything about that uh, that dude back in the day. Number 35, I believe, is accurate. I think you're right. He was a backup catcher, basically never played because Yogi played all the time. The we both stunk. We both stunk. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break, Joe. Hey, we come back, I want to ask you about a player signing an $82 million contract before he even plays a day in the big leagues. And a teenager at that. Yeah. We'll talk about that next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. All right, Joe, we, I mentioned uh, an $82 million guaranteed contract for a player yet to appear in the big leagues. Of course, we're talking about Jackson Churio, the outfielder with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, there's actually a two-year option, that club option added to that. So basically the next decade, he is under control of the Milwaukee Brewers. Give me your quick thoughts on this, especially as a manager, knowing you've got a guy who's, let's face it, set for life. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's um, counterintuitive to just things that I believe in. And again, uh, I'm, I'm certain that'll be uh, get accused of being out of touch with what's going on today. I don't know when you when you acquire that much wealth before you've really accomplish anything and especially in such a an industry as baseball i don't know the kid i'm sure they know him well enough to believe that the motivation is going to be there and i don't doubt that i don't doubt that but um to just hand over that kind of dough without any production at all just the potential production i mean the wander franco was kind of like that with the race too i don't know that it was that much money but this is a similar situation right there so many things could happen between now and the culmination of that contract uh I, I I think I get it. I, I I don't know why. I don't understand why it was that necessary. Uh, I'd like to know the exact reasons why you have to go ahead and lay that all out there in advance when you have this guy under control for so many years. Regardless, um, are you attempting to persuade him that at the end of that contract we believe you're going to be that good that you got to resign with us at that point? Uh, I just don't. I, I'd like to know the exact reason why you have to do something like. I don't know the exact reason. But more than anything, it's a dangerous precedent, I think. Uh, and it's, you know, it's going on with uh, NIL. What is it? Things with the... Yeah, NIL. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't quite... And again, I, I guess it's because I'm from a previous generation. And my method of uh, feeling like I've earned something, that it belongs to me, that I've gone through all the processes, that uh, it's my time to have something like that. But we're we're just re- we're creating a different method of um, aspiring to to attempt to be somebody. When you start giving the reward before the the, the hay's been put in the barn, I don't quite get that. So uh, and I I don't know the kid. Uh, you know, I, Maddie Arnold's wonderful. I love the the GM there. I love him. I like him a lot actually. And like I said, the same thing happened with Wander. So maybe you could explain to me why 
why do organizations feel it's necessary to go in that direction with so many years of control ahead of them? Maybe you could explain that to me. Yeah, I'm going to take the other side on this. And okay, I, I know people are going to look at people like John, John Singleton and, and Scott Kingery, mm-hmm. uh, Evan White, who just traded to Atlanta. These are guys who got big deals before they really played a day in the big leagues or hardly any in the big leagues. Um, but when I'm talking about big deals. These are like, you know, 10 to $25 million. Uh, they were not superstar players. This kid... And maybe this someday a team is going to be wrong taking this bet on somebody. But to me, if you're talking, Joe, about one of the top two or three prospects in baseball, uh, and he's a position player, the risk is very low. And that's, for me, if you're talking about someone who's in a, he's a one percenter, he's that exceptional player, he's an Acuna, he's a Luis Robert, he's a Bryce Harper, he's a Manny Machado, sign this guy. Because if you don't, and in your place like Milwaukee, the minute he steps on the field and that service time clock starts running, people are counting down until it hits six years and he's gone. It happened to Bryce Harper. It, to me, he never put roots down in Washington because everybody was saying, well, he's going to leave as a free agent when he's 25. This kid got in the big leagues at 19. He's going to be out of here at 25. It's an incredible free agent. Alex Rodriguez, same thing. So at least with Milwaukee now, you know you've got this guy for a decade. That, that countdown clock, you can forestall that if you're a Brewers fan. You can believe in this kid, and he's not going to sign with the Yankees after he puts six years in. Now, listen, there's going to be the team that's going to get burned somewhere along the line on one of these major, major contracts. I'm not talking about a $20 million one, mm-hmm. but we've seen you know, Corbin Carroll sign a deal. We saw Evan Longoria with the Rays, Joe, sign when he got to the big leagues. That was a condition of signing up, coming up to the big leagues. But if you're sure about a position player, lock him up. And, and here's the other thing I like from a business point of view. The $82 million is similar to what Machado Harper got in their ages 20 to 27 seasons. The difference is those guys got to free agency, and now all of a sudden the numbers are going to astronomical levels, and the cost on the back end, you either lose the player or the cost of retaining him in an auction atmosphere is just too high. This kid's two option years – and we're talking about his age 28 and 29 seasons, are only $25 million. That is cheap for a guy you think is going to be a multi-year all-star. So to me, that was, hey, we're giving this you this security, but uh, to get something back, we want your free agent years at $25 million per age 28 and 29. That's where the bargain comes in. Now, if he's not a perennial all-star and he's just an okay player, you've lost on the deal. I get that. But I do like and respect your point about when you give someone life-changing money, you better be sure, as sure as anybody can be, that your motivation is not diminished. That because you're satisfied financially doesn't mean you're satisfied as a baseball player. So I'm trusting the Brewers know that about this kid, that his motor is going to rev just as hard. And I can actually make the point that having the security now makes it easier for him to go out and play. And he's not going year to year and trying to put up numbers to win an arbitration case. So there's two sides to it. I get it. Um, but I think to your point, Joe, it starts with as a club, you better understand what makes this guy tick. You better not take away I, any the, motivation. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you, the, uh, I've, without mentioning names, I had a spectacular young player in the minor leagues. Um, he was 19 or 20 in the Texas league, and he was really good. And it was a foregone conclusion. This guy's going to be a big league player for the Angels for years and so forth and so on. It's a can't-miss situation. Great personality, tremendous work ethic, played hard, all this stuff, right? And then he gets he got injured, and he was actually for his rehab, they sent him back to Anaheim, which never happens. You always rehab as a minor league player wherever you're at. And so um, anyway, he did that, came back, and – God, just wasn't the same cat anymore. Um, after the next couple of years, the abilities diminished. And I, a part of it was just the the work after having been there and after having seen how much everybody loves him. And as a foregone conclusion, he's going to be this great, great player. Um, something happened within the personality of the person himself. The kind of immeasurable stuff that kind of could only be diminished, maybe through security at such a young age through wealth at such a young age. I don't know, because I 
and probably, you know, my work ethic was probably born of the fact that I had to, you know, there, there wasn't anything there. I don't know how I would react to having that much money at that age. Whereas the next 10 years are kind of like, wow, really doesn't matter what I do. And I know that's hard to say it that way, but wow, the whole thing about working and earning is that you, you do work and you earn and eventually it comes out better for you. And when you, when that's kind of like totally subverted, you don't have to do this. You just have to show up and play and you're going to get 80 some million bucks. I get the understand. Now you explained it. Well, I didn't even know it was 10 years. So that part of it does make sense that you're buying out a couple of years at the end. But um, that's my, it's more of a human side. That is my concern. The lack of motivation it's a special person, especially at that age, to be able to remain motivated and play at that high level when everything's pretty much mapped out for you you and your family for the rest of their lives. It's a great point, Joe, and that really is what it comes down to. What makes you know this guy tick? And for instance, Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners, he got an even bigger deal, right? You know, he had hit the ground running when they worked out the deal, so there was something to see on the major league level. But the Mariners don't worry about that kid. I don't worry about that kid. And listen, I know him pretty well, but I don't know everything about him. But I know how much he loves the game of baseball, and I know what motivates him. And uh, it's not money. I mean, he's got security, and his motivation is just as strong. So the Brewers should feel that way about this kid. Otherwise, you don't give that kind of money. If you have any doubts, yeah, you don't you don't give that kind of security and uh, allow someone to go into cruise control. But obviously, they don't, they don't think he's that kind of player. So is it a risk? Yeah. Some, like I said, some point, Joe, somebody's going to get burned. I mean, there was a time when uh, Gary Sanchez in the Yankee system was considered a better hitter than, than Aaron Judge, and he was untouchable in trades. You know, how's that worked out? Uh, the Mets had a kid, Fernando Martinez, who was one of the top prospects in baseball, who never made it in the game of baseball and had all the tools. So, yeah, I mean, you know better than anybody, Joe, how fickle this game can be when you look at young talent and you try to figure out, What's his next 10 years going to look like from 19 to 29? Right. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of crystal ball uh, gazing. But in this case, like I said, maybe this kid is one of those one percenters. And we're going to say this this is going to look like a bargain it went at the end of this deal. That's what the brewers are thinking. I hope it does. I, I swear to God, I hope it does. It's just like everything you just said. I understand. Rodriguez, I get it. And I'm describing to you a player that I felt the same way about as an 8, 19, 20 year old. It's just uh, I never, ever thought <laughs> this would go sideways because all of a sudden there was a change in personality. You're that young and that rich. I have no idea what that feels like. And that would be somewhat of a concern to me if I'm passing out that kind of dope. Just saying. Well, he's in good hands because Pat Murphy is his manager starting out. In the yes. Big yeah. and we like that. And the fact yeah. that, listen, I. To me, there's no guarantee this guy's going to be on the major league roster opening day. If he falls on his face in spring training, I'm sure Murph and the Brewers will have no trouble saying, you know what, best for you to go down, take some ABs, get yourself you know, squared away here. We want When you get to the big leagues, we want you to hit the ground running. I don't think just because he has this deal that they're bound and obligated to carry him on the opening day roster. How would you handle that as a manager, Joe? I'm just absolutely, I'm just going to say right there, I, I'd prefer under those circumstances I think it's normally better to send him out, get going, get your feet on the ground, start swinging the bat, get things rolling, and then bring him up. When you uh, come up uh, out of spring training to the big league team for the very first time, I mean, get meaning get to the big leagues for the first time, straight out of camp, there's a different vibe. It's a different feeling. And all of a sudden, things can get a little bit quick sooner, quicker, whatever you want to say. I, I like the idea of a young player getting getting it going, getting his groove back, getting his groove on, getting down there. My swing's right, uh, or, or my pitcher, my, my my slot's right, my my timing's right, my rhythm's right, whatever it is that's right. And you can see that as a uh, uh, an evaluator. You know, and of course, the conversation with the kid will tell you so. I like that better. I, I know like there's been, and there can't even be an argument now about his the contract because I know when KB was brought up, he sent down for a little bit of time because of the uh, potential for, uh, you know, the contract and, and the free agency and all that kind of stuff. And Longo was the same way. Longo was brought up and he wasn't sent up there. And, and there's always this, this smoke screen that's set up. No, he really needs more time in the minor leagues as compared to we just don't want to get the clock running yet. Um, under these circumstances, I would let him sit for a little bit. It could be three weeks. It could be a month. It could be two weeks, I think. But I would let him get it rolling. 
before I actually um, brought him up, and I think that'd be a better way to do it, my opinion. Yeah, there's actually no incentives in place for the club to carry a guy like that opening day. Um, if he finishes in the top three, they can get a draft pick if he's on the opening day roster, oh, top three okay. rookie of the year. So we'll see, but I have a feeling this kid is that talented that he's going to have a good spring training. And I think if he if he just shows well in spring training, Joe, I think he's their opening day center fielder. I do. I, have, I haven't seen him. He must be damn good. He must be good, huh? I haven't seen him at all. He's really good. He hits the ball all fields. He's got a flat stroke with power. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, again, it's 19. You're going to see major league pitching. It's, it's spring training, as you know, which is a little bit different. Um, but I, I think as long as he doesn't fall on his face, I think he'll be on the opening day, Ross. That's just my guess. And, and the other one to look at now is Jackson Holiday, mm-hmm. Matt Holiday's kid. Same situation. I, I think there's no holding him back. My guess is he's going to be the Orioles opening day shortstop. And now there's some pressure on Baltimore to offer this kid the same kind of contract that the Brewers gave Churio. Doesn't mean Jackson wants that contract. Um, and it has not been the Orioles' MO, we know that, mm-hmm. um, to lock these guys up with mega deals or any kind of mega deals. But we may see it, again, I don't want to say more often, Joe, but the very top prospects. I'm talking about the top two or three position players. You would never do it with a pitcher, of course, just because of the injury factor. But I think Jackson Holiday is the next guy to look at. Will they get it done? Probably not because it's the Orioles, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I like the Brewers doing this with a young player to tell their fans he's going to be here for a decade. Go out and buy the jersey, and, and you can grow up with this guy as your favorite player. That's awesome. I mean, that's it. I'll just absolutely. I'm going to be paying more attention to this now. Uh, it's fascinating to me. It's just antithetical to how we grew up. And I, and again, shoot me for being over fifty, but I, it's just it's just antithetical regarding the the earning component. We've talked about this all the time. That's all. And I'm probably going to be wrong on this one. And I hope that, I wish him nothing but the best. But again, my experience has taught me to be somewhat careful, even with the guy you think you got absolutely nailed down. I know what he's like. He'll never change. Had it, and it changed. Well, Shohei Otani, to bring it back where we started, has definitely earned it, Joe. As you know, he came over here. Mm-hmm. You know, if he waited another year, he could have gotten an unlimited amount of money. But because of his age and experience in Japan, actually had a ceiling on the amount of money he could get as a free agent coming in the first time. Uh, and has proved himself by playing baseball the way nobody has in the history of the game, by being an everyday DH and pitcher for so many years like this. It's never been done before. I mean, whatever he gets, and your jaw's probably going to drop with that number starts with either a five or a six, he will have earned it. So I just wanted to bring that back to full circle, and maybe it happens this week. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting to a point where Shohei knows what he wants, and the teams know the number. It, there's no bargains here. It, it's going to hurt to sign this contract but you'll probably, I'm sure you'll love having him on your roster. I got it starting with a six. Okay. Starting with a six. I think that's a lock. Um, you're going to have to be there to get him. Like I said, because just measure all the ancillaries, all the things that, that he's going to bring to the table besides just being your DH or your starting pitcher. Um, it's going to start with a six. I can't argue. Can't argue. Um yeah, it's, it, we'll see. And again, maybe it's going to happen this week. In the meantime, we'll be on top of anything. It happens at the winter meetings. We'll be back at you. And uh, Joe, I, you always do a great job taking us out at the end of these. Yeah. And uh, what do you got in store for us tonight? God, if we're on top of this again, brother. <laughs> uh, you know, you being there. I'm not surprised. You being there. and <laughs> You being there and everything that's going on. I researched a, a, a word, one word. And it came down to this. Wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. I love that. You know, and it was a guy by the name of Norman Cousins. That's the definition of baseball, by the way. Right. That's the definition of baseball, right? I mean, yes. I, action is great, but the anticipation of it is is more than half the fun. The anticipation of consequences. I love that. I love those three words together. And it was Norman Cousins. I guess he was a political writer. Back in the day, some kind of a a writer, a a journalist. Um, Wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. That makes Matt Arnold wise. (laughs) Well said, Joe. Enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Have a great time there. Say hi to my buddies. Will do.
The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 